Today's reading is from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And so we pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can meet together now to look at this psalm. Thank you for the encouragement of your words. Please would you speak to us through it and by your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know, I need someone. Help. So goes the chorus of the famous Beatles song. My dad is a massive Beatles fan, and so the Beatles were the soundtrack to my childhood when I was growing up. I remember hearing this song as a small child and thinking that it was really obvious that you ask for help when you need it. But somehow, somewhere in the growing up process, we lose this. We get more independence as we get older, but it can become harder to ask for help. Particularly in our Western culture, and particularly, I think, in the working world of London and Parliament, asking for help can often be perceived as a sign of weakness. But that doesn't mean that we don't need help. In an interview years later, John Lennon admitted that the whole Beatles thing was just beyond comprehension. I was subconsciously crying out for help. We all hit points in life when we are faced with our lack of self-sufficiency. When we realise that we are unable to cope on our own and we cry out, help. I'm not talking about trivial things here, like when I often cry out, help, to get my housemates to move a particularly large cider. But rather, when we are really struggling, when the way ahead seems too hard, when we don't know how we are going to cope when everything seems to rise up around us and threatens to overwhelm us. The psalm we're looking at today speaks into this. Our psalmist needs some help. But before we dive into the psalm, here is a bit of background. Psalm 121 comes from a collection of psalms known as the Songs of Ascents. This set of 15 psalms would have been sung by pilgrims on their way up to Jerusalem. They are songs for the road to spur them on and to keep them going. Geographically, Jerusalem is higher up than the surrounding area. And so whichever way you came, you'd have had an arduous uphill climb and would have faced many dangers on the road. Now we may not be pilgrims going on a journey to Jerusalem, but we are all traveling on a journey through life, which will have many ups and downs. And sometimes we will hit a stretch which is particularly arduous and difficult. 
For many of us, the last 18 months will have been just like that. The pandemic has been a long, hard slog that has taken its toll on us in many ways. And it seems that we might not be out of the woods yet. We've probably all hit points in the last 18 months when we've not been sure how we're going to keep on going, when we've become acutely aware of our need for help. So I pray that wherever you feel you currently are at in this journey of life this lunchtime, that this psalm is an encouragement to you today. We're going to look at it in four short points, taking two verses at a time. Firstly, we see in verses one to two that our help is from the Lord. Our psalmist begins by lifting his eyes to the mountains. Now, when I think of mountains, I think back to going to Snowdonia several years ago and being awestruck by the stunning scenery and majestic peaks. But our psalmist isn't looking at the mountains thinking, wow, what an amazing view, but rather, oh no, there is danger up ahead. The mountains would have been a source of fear and anxiety for the pilgrims. They symbolize the arduous journey to come and they are the perfect site for an ambush by robbers. But as we read elsewhere in Israel's history, they are also the location of idol worshippers. Those who had turned away from worshipping the God of Israel came to the mountains and high places to worship other gods. So this is also a place of evil, a place symbolising the temptation to turn from the Lord and to trust in other things. Faced with this, the psalmist asks, where does my help come from? And then immediately answers himself in verse two. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The mountains might look imposing and scary, but God made the mountains. The Lord is the one who is ultimately in control with ultimate power. There is nothing in this world that hasn't been created by God's which very much includes the things that can cause us fear. It can be so tempting when faced with a difficult time to despair or to look to other things for help, when what we really need to do is look beyond our problems to the one who is ultimately in control. The psalmist reminds us that the Lord is our source of our help. And in the rest of our psalm, we see just why we can trust the Lord to help us, because his help is unparalleled and he is utterly dependable. So on to our second point in verses three to four, the Lord's help is constant. I don't know whether you noticed when Steve read out the psalm just now, but at this point, there is a shift in the pronouns which are used. From the first person, I and my, in verses one to two, to the second person, you and your, in the rest of the psalm. And importantly, this is a singular you. All of this applies on a personal, individual level. It's almost as if at this point, the psalmist's travelling companions gather around him to offer encouragement. The phrase watches over you is repeated five times in the psalm and is actually there six times in the original Hebrew. This phrase could be translated as keep, guard or fence in. It is an active thing. God is on the lookout and is acting as a guardian. 
And as we see in verses three to four, he is constantly watching over. He is always alert, always concentrating. He doesn't need to take a nap or have a deep sleep. There is never a moment when he does not have his eye on the ball. Now over the summer, I recently bought my first car with my fiance James. And a few weeks ago, we went on our first road trip up to a wedding in Bolton. James is from South Africa, and this is the first time he had driven a long distance in the UK. So I was acting as an extra pair of eyes for road signs and offering advice on how to navigate roundabouts, which lane to be in and so on. On our journey home down the M1 and then back around the M25, we were dealing with lane closures, variable speed limits, cars and lorries doing some pretty crazy things. And to be honest, I was tired and was really struggling to stay focused. James would keep asking, Alison, are you paying attention? And I'd have to admit to having let my concentration lapse a bit. I mean, it was a good thing that I wasn't the one who was actually doing the driving. So I'm not sure how much help I was on that bit of journey. But God's help is nothing like that. He never gets tired or distracted. He is always alert, always watching, always ready to step in. He will not let us slip because he wasn't paying enough attention. And so we can trust in the Lord's help because it is constant. So moving on thirdly, in verses five to six, we see that the Lord's help is comprehensive. The protection that God offers is complete. As I've just said, I recently bought a car and so I've had to navigate the confusing world of car insurance for the first time trying to work out what things we need cover for and which policies offer the best protection and value for money. But the help the Lord's offers is like the most comprehensive of insurance policies. There are no exclusions, everything is covered. And there is no lengthy claims process either. God is right on hand to offer his helping hand for every kind of danger, offering shade and refreshment from the heat of the journey in verse five and protection from both the sun and the moon in verse six. The dangers of the sun would be very real to the pilgrims on their journey, whether that's sunburn, heat stroke or dehydration. And so the Lord is there seeing to their physical needs. But the dangers don't go away when night comes. God is there offering protection as well. The night would have held its own dangers, for example, in the form of wild animal attacks. But also in the ancient world, there was a belief that if you were exposed too much to the light of the moon, you would have all sorts of emotional and mental health problems. That's where the word lunatic comes from. It's linked to lunar for the moon. And while we now have a much greater and more sympathetic understanding of mental health problems, the point still stands. God is not just covering the pilgrims' physical needs, but it's also protecting their minds and mental well-being too. We might face all sorts of challenges in life, ill health, bereavement, challenges at work or in our families, but there is nothing outside the remit of the Lord's help. The Lord is able to help in all kinds of dangers, day or night, physical or mental. He has it all covered. And so our fourth and final point in verses seven to eight, the Lord's help is continuous. 
The psalmist expands the scope of the Lord's help in verse 7 when he says that the Lord will keep you from all harm. Now let's be careful here. The psalmist is not saying that nothing will ever go wrong. That's obviously not real life. Our psalmist still has a difficult uphill climb ahead. And we all go through tough times, whether or not we are a Christian. This is not saying that if you trust God, then you get to cruise through a problem-free life. Sadly, people still get sick and die. Relationships still break down. People still lose their jobs. Hopes and dreams are still dashed. It's not that God will keep you from ever experiencing any harm, but rather that God will keep you through all harm. He will be with you every step of the way, giving you what you need to keep on going. As the second part of verse 7 explains, he will watch over your life. This could be translated, watch over your soul. He is guarding you from spiritual attack and keeping you ultimately safe with him. The Lord's continuous help is also seen in verse 8. He is concerned with all of your life. You're coming and going. When you come to work, when you go back home again, when you're in a meeting, when you're sending emails, when you're out and about in the constituency, when you meet friends for post-work drinks, whenever you go out and come back again, God is watching over it all. His help is never ending. It starts now and lasts into forevermore, through the current trial and beyond. God's promise to people going through trouble and throughout the Bible is not that they will never have trouble, but instead that he will be with them wherever they go. We can have confidence that God will walk alongside us because he put his money where his mouth is. He stepped down into human history. He came to dwell among us, to be with us through it all. In Jesus, he not only did that, but he made a way for us to get through every trial. On the cross, Jesus defeated sin and evil and death. And by taking that harm upon himself, he made sure that we would never face ultimate harm. Through his resurrection, we can be assured that we really are saved and safe with him. And we have the ultimate hope that one day God will dwell with us for all eternity in the new heavens and new earth. A place where, as Revelation 21 tells us, he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And until we get to that point, he has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be our helper in the here and now. No matter what comes our way, if we put our trust in Jesus, we can be confident that he will always be with us. As Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God, that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So as we finish, the reality is that we will all go through difficult times. We will all go through times when life is hard and it feels like an uphill struggle. We know that COVID continues to present different challenges and the news of a potentially difficult winter ahead can be gloomy. 
But even without COVID, there will be other challenges. In the coming weeks, months and years, we will all go through hard times at some point. A choice is not whether we can avoid difficulty altogether, but rather when difficulty comes, where we look for help. When trouble hits, will you look to the Lord? Will you trust in the one who is always watching over you? The one whose help is constant, comprehensive and continuous. The one who has proved his love for you by sending Jesus. The one whose love we can never be separated from, no matter what might befall us. Let us pray to finish. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that our help comes from you. Thank you that you are watching over us, by our side on our journey through life. Thank you that your help is all-encompassing and never-ending. Please help us to look to you in all things. And for anyone who's facing particular challenges right now, I pray that they would be so aware of your presence with them and that you would help them to trust that you will see them through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh,